Thanks for checking out this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. Please like us at facebook.com slash screenfacts. On Twitter, it's at Jason Davis Voice. This podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. Joining me for this episode of the podcast, my brother Dan. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. So we're going to talk about a fun movie today. We're going back to 1989 for Roadhouse today. Rona House. <laughs> Rona House, as it were. I've seen this movie probably a dozen times at least, if not more. That's it? Yeah, probably more. A dozen's a lot if you think about it. Watching it this time, I kind of had a different perspective. I was watching it through the eyes of a woman. Don't ask why. I guess because I'm woke. Just when you think you know your brother, you don't. Yeah, well, you know what it is? My wife is definitely a feminist. She's rubbed off on me a little bit. So I think that, you know, watching this movie through a feminist point of view, you kind of go, wow. Uh, even more so than usual. My girlfriend's a realist, and she was just, Kathy would just look at me watching this movie and just say, this is ridiculous, and oh, why are we watching this? It's totally ridiculous. It's kind of like a cartoon. It's so over the top and so silly that you can't even take it seriously because, like, the villain is so ridiculously over the top, and just everything about it is so overdone that you can't really think of it as anything that exists in reality, you know? Oh, sure it is. You think there's places like <laughs> Jasper? I'm sure there are. And bars like this? There's definitely bars like that around. Okay. I mean, it's certainly of its time. So let's just run down a couple of things. First off, Roadhouse was released May 19th, 1989. Written by R. Lance Hill, the story anyway, was written by R. Lance Hill as David Lee Henry. The screenplay by R. Lance Hill as David Lee Henry and Hilary Henkin. Now that surprised me. I never noticed that before, that a woman was actually involved in writing this screenplay. Well, it is a love story of sorts. It is? Sure. Well, I mean, sort of. Between Dalton and Doc, I mean, you know, they're in love, and Wade and Dalton are like, you know, yeah. brothers. And... Yeah, they have a bromance. So, Yeah, I, I mean, know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, Doc is the only halfway redeemable female character in this movie. Every other female is sort of portrayed as being weak or secondary or whatnot. No, I don't think so, because uh, what's her name? Um, well, Julie Michaels is Denise, who, by the way, is a strong woman, because, I mean, she went on from this movie to go do stunt work. Is that uh, the, the blonde that looks like Lonnie Anderson? Yes. Okay. Kathleen uh, Willoit. That's the one who plays Carrie? Yeah, Carrie. The, yeah, But, I mean, she's like, yeah, she's kind of strong. She holds her own in the bar there. Yeah, that's true. A little bit. I'm even more upset. Like, um, I was looking on IMDb and that this only got a 6.6 .6 out of 10 when it's clearly a freaking, at least an 8.3. <laughs> it's a fun movie. I mean, I'm not going to, uh, look, I'm not going to sit here and, and badmouth it the whole time. I'm, and I don't even mean to badmouth it now. I'm just pointing out. You know, a couple of things. The film is actually listed among the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made in Golden Raspberry Award founder John Wilson's book, The Official Razzie Movie Guide. It was nominated for five Golden Raspberry Awards. Those are the awards that, in case you're not familiar, they give out right around Oscar time for the worst films of the year. The nominations were for Worst Picture, Worst Director, <laughs> Worst Screenplay, Worst Actor, Patrick Swayze, and Worst Supporting Actor, Ben Gazzara. By the way, it didn't win any of the Razzies, so... Ben um, Gazzara definitely deserved one. You're going up against Dalton, clearly the, the greatest cooler in the business. <laughs> right. And, yeah, Wade Garrett, Sam Elliott's character, right. the second, the legend, basically, of it. Spoiler alert, you expect me to believe that Ben Gazzara can hold his own in the fucking 
mono mono fight with Dalton. Especially as he's taking on everybody else in the film single-handedly. All of Ben Gazzara's henchmen. Right. We could sit here all day and talk about all the plot holes in this movie and how ridiculous it is. But uh, the movie directed by Rowdy Harrington. I love that the director's name is Rowdy, by the way. Hot Rod. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if he went on to do anything else. I didn't really look him up. You know, after Roadhouse, where are you going to go from there, right? Well, Rowdy Harrington also directed Striking Distance with Bruce Willis, Repo Man, great movie. Oh, okay. That's a but cool actually, favorite. he wasn't a director of that. He was just the camera and the electrical director for that. So Okay. That's a cult classic, too. For I think, uh, let's see, as a director, he has nine credits. Ready? Uh-huh. Jack's back. What the hell is that? <laughs> not a clue. Then Roadhouse and, a, and an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Gladiator, but not the, uh, not the one with <laughs> Russell Crowe. I was going to say. This was more the one with, uh, what was it, Cuba Gooding Jr. and James Marshall and, you know, where they're boxers. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, I've heard and of that. And uh, Striking Distance of Bruce Willis, A Murder of Crows. Um, he did Bobby Jones' A Stroke of Genius back in 2004. So, fun fact, he was on Growing Pains. He was a stage manager for 12 episodes of Growing Pains. No way. <laughs> yes. Wow. And he had one credit as an actor in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as a black and white panda as opposed to just a black panda or just a white panda. Right. So, of course, the movie stars Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, Sam Elliott, and Ben Gazzara. A $17 million estimated budget grossed $30 million in the U.S. But this movie is obviously another one of those movies that's not about the box office. It's more about cable viewings and video, right? Sure. I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit I own a copy of this. Oh, I do too. I think I have it on uh, <laughs> Blu-ray too. So you can see the cheese in high definition. That's awesome. It's a fucking great movie. I love this movie. This is a movie, it's like Shawshank, where you can flip through the channels. It's going to be on a channel somewhere, you mm -hmm. know, if you have an expanded cable package. It doesn't hold up as well on basic cable. You can't watch any of these but, movies But with, you with come onto this movie, you just get sucked right in. And no matter what point it is in the movie, whether it's the beginning, the end, or whatever, you know, you're fucking watching this shit. Yeah. Sometimes I'll even come on it and like if you got like one of those cable channels with DVR and on demand and it says, oh, would you like to watch this from the beginning? I'm like, yeah, yes, I would. Yes, I would. I don't know why, but it's very enjoyable. I think if you approach it with the mindset of it's completely silly and, and over the top and you're not looking for any real substance from it, you're going to be much happier watching this movie. But there is substance to it. Well, I mean, you know, in the sense There's of life lessons in this movie from Dalton. Sure. Let's talk about Dalton's credo, shall we? Sure. They don't say it in a little trivia fun fact here. Mm -hmm. His first name was James Dalton. That's right. And you can see it on the medical records when he sees Doc for the first time. But they still just list him as Dalton. But go ahead. Yeah. But it's interesting, though, because she actually refers to him as Mr. Dalton. After she stitches him up or staples him or whatever, she goes, okay, that's it, Mr. Dalton, you know. Good luck or whatever. And they, so, they don't ever say what her name is. Oh, yeah, they do. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Uh, they just list her in the credits as Doc. They call her Elizabeth a couple of times in the movie. But Dalton's rules of bouncing. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. That falls through for life. Go ahead. Absolutely. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three. Be nice. I think everybody should just be nice. <laughs> you know, everybody can uh, learn uh, that wait, lesson. Be nice until it's time not to be nice. How will we know when that is? I'll tell you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Interestingly, according to Sam Elliott, all the actors did their own stunts for this movie. That's uh, a little surprising because there's a lot of fight scenes and stuff. And then Dalton, he wasn't a karate guy. He wasn't a black belt. Marshall Teague, who played Jimmy, you know, his main opponent in there, mm -hmm. you know, had like some experience as a, as a fighter. 
but they were trained by Benny the Jet Uriguez or something. It was his name. Urquidez? Yeah, but Benny the Jet, here's a little crossover uh, thing. If you remember in Say Anything with John Cusack, uh-huh. when he's talking to um, Ione Sky's father, uh-huh. oh, yeah, kickboxing, sport of the future. Right. Perhaps you heard of some of the guys, he mentions Benny the Jet. Right. Who, by the way, was a badass, or is a badass. I think he's still around. Um, he began a career in full-contact karate in 1974. He had a record of over 200 wins and no losses, 63 title defenses, and 57 KOs. He's the only fighter to have retained six world titles in five weight divisions for 24 consecutive years. Interesting fun fact about Benny, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth and Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses are uh, a couple of his students. Ah, very interesting. Yeah. He did a lot of work training the actors. And I think at one point he thought Patrick Swayze was so good that he could actually compete. That was another thing that I read, yeah. Swayze and Marshall Teague, who played Jimmy, didn't get along at first, too, I read. But then when they you know, got to filming the big fight scene between the two of them, they started to get along a little bit better because they realized that they were both into doing realistic stunts and you know, they really wanted to make it look good for the cameras. They started to really trust each other. They started to improvise a little bit and actually threw real punches and kicks. It got so physical, Swayze actually ended up like really bruised. He broke a couple of ribs and he busted his knee. So, and the scene where Jimmy hits Dalton with the log, that was actually a real log. He thought it was a prop. So that's probably where he broke the ribs, I'm guessing. And there was something, too, I read, by the way, that, like, yeah, word got out where they shot in a remote town, and there was kind of like a faux pas that's supposed to be taking place outside of Kansas City. Right. And if you look in the background, there's, like, mountains and, you know, all this other stuff and, you know, desert little areas, and you know, which obviously isn't going to be out in Kansas City. So they obviously shot this somewhere in California area-ish. One of the things was, like, word got out in this small area that, you know, Swayze was there and, you know, everybody, you know, he's Mr. Heartthrob. And mm-hmm. there was women just, like, crashing the set all the time. And when, when they had that final fight scene... At one point, there's a boat that goes by with a bunch of women started screaming that they had to cut out. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, he was coming off of uh, Dirty Dancing a couple of years before this, which was a, a ginormous hit for him. They even referenced it in the tagline. The original tagline for this movie was, The dancing's over, now it gets dirty. His injuries from working on this movie actually prevented him from taking roles in other action movies right after this. He was originally supposed to play... Gabriel Cash in Tango and Cash, right, which is the role that uh, Kurt Russell ended up playing. Similar hairdos. Yeah, that's true, actually. They both had that feathered mullet kind of look. Uh, and Mike Harrigan in Predator 2, which ended up going to Danny Glover. So he ended up doing Ghost as the follow-up to this. And I think, uh, I don't know if he was nominated for an Oscar for that. I know Whoopi Goldberg won the Oscar for Ghost, but I mean, it worked out well for Swayze, but it's interesting that he could have been uh, starring opposite of Sylvester Stallone in a movie. That would have been cool. Right. Red West, who plays Red Webster, like he's probably the baddest mother in this whole movie in real life because he was like part of the Memphis Mafia. Yeah. He went to high school with Elvis. I think he was a year ahead or behind him was a football player there but like was one of Elvis's like best friends and you know bodyguards and you know basically went everywhere with them. Yeah. They make a couple of Elvis references in the movie too. Well, and there's like a big wild west thing to it too, right? Cuz yeah. you know, so you got you know Dalton's like you know like a western kind of name and Doc Doc Holiday and Wade Garrett is a play off of Pat Garrett who killed Billy the Kid. I mean there's something about um Cody and yep. Tilgman, which uh, Kevin Teague plays and stuff. So, I mean, all these guys are, you know, like kind of like, you know, Pat McGurn, mm-hmm. which I always thought was funny. But anyway, but Pat <laughs> John Doe, who played Pat McGurn, mm-hmm. was the bass player in the band X. Terry Funk as the one bouncer. The godfather of hardcore. Yeah, he was uh, 
I remember watching him as a wrestler back in the day. Dude, he was a badass wrestler or whatever. You know, you never knew it. And then, you know, then he, you know, became like this big star. Yeah. I mean, um, dude, Sam Elliott's been kicking ass in, uh, you know, Hollywood. I mean, I think the guy never ages, nor does his mustache. Yeah. He's a great character. My favorite line from him is when uh, he first arrives. They're beating up Dalton in the back of the bar when he's trying to get the, the other liquor into the bar. The really big guy goes, you want to fight dickless? And he goes... Oh, sure as hell ain't gonna show you my dick. And then he <laughs> punches him right in the balls. Excellent. The one-liners that are, you know, just like there's like some great life lessons from Dalton in this movie. Yeah. There's like some other important rules that obviously you can get that if, you know, you own a car dealership and the town megalomaniac shows up with Bigfoot, Bigfoot 7, actually. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, call the police before they drive through your dealership. Um, it doesn't matter, though, because he owns the police. Any place that, you know, has more than two bouncers, probably not a good place to take your girlfriend. <laughs> probably not. And also, <laughs> when you're Swayze and, you know, you're alone with a woman, the yeah. radio's always going to play some kind of 60s, like, you know, soul, you know, pop kind right. of... Otis Redding. You know, thing to get down with. Yeah. By the way, let's talk about that love scene for a second. Is that not the most awkward love scene ever in a movie? Who's having sex like that? But who wants to have sex? Like exactly. That? Even if he's strong enough to hold Kelly Lynch up like that, then he's like grinding her up against that that stone wall. That's got to hurt. Well, what, what do you think? Doing it on the hay-filled barn is going to be any better? <laughs> yeah, I know. That was another thing I was looking at. This room is kind of cool and all, and I can understand the appeal. It's isolated or whatever. But like, where does he go to the bathroom? Where does he shower? Again, plot holes. There probably was a bathroom in there somewhere. I don't know. It's a barn. Why do you got to be so bad on, you know, barns with that? <laughs> There's, like, some custom barns or some no, fancy I, barns. I actually think, you know, aside from, like, the heat and humidity, it would probably be a cool place to live. And the, well, as, as uh, Emmett said, the smells of nature or yeah. something? Yeah, something like that. No conditioned air. No conditioned air. Yeah, and he says, and uh, Dalton says that the horses let him know when somebody's coming and, you know, all that. So it's kind of cool. But getting back to the love scene really quick, uh, according to Kelly Lynch... Whenever Bill Murray sees that scene on television, he calls Kelly Lynch's husband, who wrote Scrooged, Mitch Glazer, and he teases him about it. I think that's really funny, because <laughs> you, know yeah, no. you know this movie is on all the time, so he's probably oh, getting a lot of calls yeah. from Bill Murray. <laughs> the thing I love about it is just like, you know, some of the, you know, the quotes from it and, you know, the one-liners and things like that. Yeah. So here's a little story I'm going to have to tell. Years ago, uh, there was a series on VH1, uh, the World Series of Pop Culture. Mm-hmm. My dear brother, who's you know I'm on this podcast with, and myself, we tend to think of ourselves as keepers of useless information and trivia. Oh, I definitely am. Yeah, and just the things you know, Ka you know, Kathy, my my girlfriend, uh, just looks at me sometimes and just says, "Oh my God, you know, how do you even know these stupid things?" <laughs> and then our other friend, one of my you know best buddies, Gabe. My brother, you know, Jason, 6'5", I'm 6'4", Gabe's 6'6", six, six, almost 6'7", six, and we, we decide to enter this thing, and our team name was? I thought you'd be bigger. We didn't get on the show. We made it actually to the interviews with the producers. <laughs> I'll still contend that Gabe and I are playing the part like, oh, how do you feel you're going to do against next last year's champions? I'm like, oh, we'll squash them. Yeah, we'll step on them, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and Jason being all prim and proper, well, they're... They're a good bunch of contenders, and you know we'll do our best against them. And you know, you know they're great champions, and this and that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. So I still put it up on that thing that you know we wanted to be the heels there, man. We wanted to be the villains. We wanted to be freaking Brad Wesley. I didn't know that. You should have told me that. Uh, well, that I didn't think we were gonna get that. I didn't know what the hell they were gonna ask us. That was my first time ever getting interviewed this, by producers for a fucking game show. This town had nothing before I showed up. I brought the 7-Eleven, the photo mat. JC Penny is coming here because of me. <laughs>
Oh my God, Photomats, remember that shit? Yeah, really. I mean, look, I think there's people in small towns around you know, the country. I mean, there's probably like that one rich person who has all this influence or whatever. Look, I know, you know, I do business in this one town. Um, I'm not going to say where in the country. And it's not really a small town, but there is one family that pretty much runs the whole town. Like there's never been a mayor that hasn't been descended from this one family. So there are things like that. And, you know, and look, it works for some people. Um, as far as Brad Wesley, who we, you know, can just get away with murder and shit like that. No, obviously not. Right. I mean, there's certainly uh, corruption everywhere, but uh, it's just funny. He's like this super rich guy and he's driving like a Ford. What's that all about? I guess maybe because he likes American cars, I'm guessing. No, nah, dude, but that was a Mustang GT, man. I mean, that was, you know, that was the car back then. Was it? Anytime they show like a, a really rich guy and, you know, they're driving like some fancy sports car usually more than a Mustang. It could have been a Corvette or something, but I mean, there, he's not going to buy, you know, I mean, is he going to have a Porsche there? I mean, look, the fact that Dalton had a Mercedes, you know, and kept it under wraps. Right. That's true. The car that he had, I think it was, I can't remember now if it was like a Buick Riviera or something like that. Like that was a badass car with the freaking. Oh yeah. With the, the headlight things. Yeah. And the Krager mags and all that shit. Yeah. And, no, it's cool. You know. I like how he tries to sort of stay under the radar a little bit. By the way, the music in this movie is very cool. Jeff Healy band, awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Jeff Healy was great on there, and it was kind of cool casting. Unfortunately, half this cast is probably dead right now. I know, you know, Jeff Healy passed away from cancer, mm -hmm. uh, lung cancer, I think. Yeah. Gazzara and, uh, and Swayze both had pancreatic cancer. Swayze died in 2009, Gazzara in 2012. Yeah, Red West is dead. The guy who played Emmett's dead. Uh, yeah. Trying to think who the hell else. There's other people I'm sure that are gone in there. I think I, I read that Sam Elliott said that he's most recognized from this movie of, of all the work he's ever done, which is not surprising. Well, and he almost turned it down because he thought it was too close to the character he did in Mask. Yeah, with Cher. With Cher, you know. I mean, look, Sam Elliott always plays that badass. I mean, shave the fucking mustache, man, and you won't be that badass. He's you know, got a, he always had that look about him. You know, he had that sort of biker, tough guy look. And he's got that voice. It's hard to cast somebody with a voice like that in like a romantic lead, I guess. Although- And the mustache. Yeah, I think he was in a movie a couple of years ago, now that he's a little bit older, where it was a sort of a romantic lead. He was in uh, the, the remake of A Star Is Born with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga most recently. He played Bradley right. Cooper's brother in that. So he's still working. He was in um, Draft Day a couple of years ago with Kevin Costner. You know, and hey, and let's not forget, dude, he's in the Doritos commercial with- uh... He does a lot What's of voiceover work. No, but he's in the Doritos commercial with uh, for Old Town Road, that song with what the hell's it got? the rapper's name, um, Lil Nas X. Oh, okay. Dalton's character name was actually named after a town in Georgia, Dalton, Georgia. Um, the screenwriter, R. Lance Hill, was passing through. He stopped at a local bar, and the people and the place left such an impression on him that, that he decided to name the character as a tribute to the town. When Dalton first shows up at the Double Deuce, and he's standing at the corner of the bar, just kind of surveying everything. If you look closely on the post, carved into the post, it says Buddy's Corner. Buddy was Patrick Swayze's nickname. Right. So I guess he hung out on there. Yeah. The exterior shots of the Double Deuce and Red's auto parts were actually just facades that they built on the site there. And that the barn that Dalton was living in was also built just for the movie. Red's auto supply store explosion cost $25,000 to shoot. The Bigfoot scene, though, cost $50,000 to shoot. Actually, I read $500,000. Really? Yeah. What They did it in one take, obviously. You don't want to do that more than once. But $500,000. The dealership didn't have a roof, and that's probably why the glass broke so easily, I would imagine. At that time, in 1989, monster trucks were definitely a huge deal. I don't know if they still are or not, but certainly back then. 
Uh, uh, that was kind of ridiculous to spend $500,000 on that. It contributes to the over-the-topness of uh, Brad Wesley's character. The garage where uh, Dalton's Mercedes is stored is the same one where Reggie Hammond keeps his Porsche in the movie 48 Hours. I knew that one, believe it or not. Okay. I actually picked that off when I was watching the movie, like, this looks familiar. That's funny. When Wade Garrett calls Dalton Miho, that's actually a contraction of the Spanish words me and hijo, which means my son. But you know what I didn't understand is like, so Wade Garrett, so when he's fighting in the movie, right? And maybe you stumbled upon this in your trivia search for this movie. Wasn't he like limping and stuff? Yeah. I think we're supposed to just kind of uh, acknowledge that as he's older, he's been, he's got some battle scars, old age creeping up on him. And so now he walks with a little bit of a limp. I don't know if it's a specific injury or just that he's old. Another interesting thing that I read was that Annette Benning was originally cast as Doc. I can't see her as, you know, even well, back there was then. no chemistry. Yeah. I, I think that there's decent chemistry between Kelly Lynch and Patrick Swayze. I think she was good, you know, perfectly cast in there. I mean, she's kind of pointy and has googly <laughs> eyes and stuff. But I <laughs> wait, mean, wait, for the wait, time wait. of day, you know, for that time. Let me just go back. Kind of pointy. <laughs> I don't know. Her face is like kind of pointy. Oh, okay. They all have the, That's the a great... Kathy saying. I don't know, but... Oh, okay. They have great. Eight, they all have great '80s hair too, don't they? Wade Garrett has, you know, uh, you know, good hair in there. Even Jimmy, you know, uh, Marshall Teague. Yeah. By the way, the worst line ever. Uh huh. It just every time he says it to me, like, yeah, I used to fuck guys. You in prison? Yeah. yeah that is a weird brag. You're right. Yeah. Uh, there used to be a website. I don't know if it's even out there anymore, but like it was like the Dallas Dalton life lessons from it. And I want you to be nice until it's time not to be nice. And nobody ever wins in a fight. Even Wade Garrick is, you know, you get all the sleep, you know, you need when you're dead. And, right. You know, Dalton, you know, take the biggest guy in the world, shatter his knee, and he'll drop like a stone. Yep. I love how zen Dalton is, even when he's stabbed. He just brushes it off. Like in the beginning, when he's in the bar in New York, and the guy cuts him which he refers to as a scratch, you know, that he's sewing up in the uh, in the room when uh, Tillman comes in and talks to him. He's just icy cool. I think Swayze actually was a pretty good actor. You know, I mean, you know, this movie doesn't necessarily show off his acting skills, but I mean, you know, he did other good stuff besides this. The, the best is, but going back to the, the cheesy dialogue and everything is, <laughs> like some of the shit that comes out of Jimmy's mouth is just ridiculous. He doesn't yeah. have many lines in the movie. Yeah. But the lines he does have are horrible. Yeah. He says to like Dalton, like, you know, prepare to die and Tom just looks at him and is like you're such an asshole yeah exactly like I wonder if that was actually ad-libbed I don't know so one other thing I read that I thought was very funny was that there was an off-Broadway production of this movie uh, that was produced in 2003 the title of it get this Roadhouse the stage version of the cinema classic that starred Patrick Swayze except this one stars Ty Mac from the 80s cult classic The Last Dragon wearing a blonde mullet wig that was the name of the show god I'm sorry I missed that I know, dude. I would have liked I would seen have that. Totally would have went to see that because the Last Dragon is another great movie that I think we should talk about on this uh, podcast. Oh, show enough. Show enough. Absolutely. So maybe we should earmark that for one of the next ones we talk about because that's a fun uh, cheesy '80s movie too. That's even more ridiculous than this, but so much fun. You know, getting back to uh, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. I mean, th- like, I mean, like, I'll watch this movie. I will continue to watch this movie anytime it is on. If I am flipping through the channels, I will stop and watch it every time. Oh, absolutely. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Family Guy reference to this movie. I don't know if you're a fan of Family Guy, but there's an episode of Family Guy where uh, there's a video store that's closing or they're having a big sale, and Peter goes into the store and sees that he can buy a copy of Roadhouse for a dollar, and he's all excited, and he buys it. And then he feels like every problem can be solved with kicking. So he just starts <laughs> beating the shit out of people in the, in the episode. 
And every time he goes, Roadhouse. He's driving his car back to his house, and instead of steering with his hands, he's kicking the steering wheel. He's like, Roadhouse, Roadhouse, Roadhouse. So every time he goes around a curve, it's very funny. I think they all, like, too, got into their characters. Like, I know uh, Kelly Lynch, she actually shot somebody in an emergency room, and she actually learned how to stitch a wound, but yeah. then they ended up using staples. Right. Believe it or not, they made a sequel to this movie. Well, I... it wasn't really a sequel. Okay. It was called Roadhouse 2, but it didn't really follow any of the characters from this movie, right? No, yeah, it was, like, totally different. Did you see it? No. Yeah, no desire. I don't even, I don't even know where the hell it would be. And yeah. There's certain things um, you just don't watch. Yeah. You don't fuck with certain things. Yeah, exactly. They were going to do a remake of this, too, a few years ago with uh, Ronda Rousey. See, now that would have been kind of not good. Like, if I was to do this now, let's see, who would you cast as Dalton? Well, I mean, that's... Like John Cena or The Rock. I would do a comedy, like kind of how they did 21 Jump Street. Right. That would be good. Make it funny on purpose. No, and that's why you put like a rock or John Cena in there because they can be kind of funny. I mean, you need somebody who's like muscle boundish. Actually, the thing about Dalton, the big thing in the movie is that he, you know, I thought you'd be bigger. So would you want to cast a, a guy as big as The Rock or John Cena? Or would you want to cast somebody who's built like Swayze again so you can keep that I thought you'd be bigger stuff in there? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he'd be good. Especially if you um, make a comedy with that sarcasm and stuff. That's what I'm saying. So hear, hear this, Hollywood. I think you do this. Yes. You have a customer right here. Yeah. I would watch a Roadhouse remake with Ryan Reynolds in the lead done as a comedy. I think that would be enjoyable. Dude, I would go see I I'm pissed that I didn't know about the freaking Broadway show because I would have gone to see that. Oh, yeah. That must have been hilarious. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, I got nothing else. You? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Roadhouse, this defines cheesy 80s movie, I think. And it's definitely enjoyable after many viewings. And it's overdone, and it's silly, but it's a lot of fun. I agree. And you know what? It was a good night. Nobody died. <laughs> That's right. The Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, internet and corporate video, e-learning, phone message, and more. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us screenfacts at yahoo.com. Dan, thanks for doing another episode with me. I always appreciate it. And Jay, be nice. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs>